I don't have to list them off. We all know all the different expressions and psychological evaluations, etc., etc. person wants to be in a happy place. person wants to be happy. You have those that unfortunately call it a masochistic nature and like to walk around the black cloud around their heads. Everything that happens to me is always something wrong. I can never get it right. Shem never does it perfect for me. Shem does it perfect for everybody else. Actually, this week's parasha, and the poor person, the Sadrbe don't glorify the destitute person in his grievance. What grievances does he have? How are you glorifying it? What are you elevating? What are you making here? And then Chaim HaKadosh tells us that the poor person is very bitter. He's very bitter. He has grievances with God. Why am I poor? Mind you, not every poor person is like that because there are those of the righteous. Who live with the Mishnah? Who is a rich person, one who was happy with their lot. But you have those that just look at the other side, and you know what? There are people that even have what they need, but don't have plentiful, don't have extra, and that bothers them. However, according to Tata, there's a certain amount that a person that can have as there is the poverty level in the uh, every country, how much, uh, what's the level of poverty, how much can you earn to be considered poverty-stricken. And therefore, the person could take life in a much easier way, much easier light and do what they call in America count your blessings or continue being or the person unfortunately takes it and says I'm not, I'm not happy with what, the way God's treating me I'm not happy with the fact that I am poverty stricken that I have to pay a bill today and I can't it's upsetting me. So now when he comes to you for tzedakah, and he tells you, I need to pay such and such a thing, and make a wedding, and it is that, and you don't give him, you're glorifying his grievance with God. I'm talking about providing that you have. Now, obviously, we're not talking about somebody that's poverty-stricken because of their own doing, because of their own makings. Because they decided just not to go to work. Or became a Rahman al-Sana derelict on the street. We're talking about the regular person that just doesn't succeed, that doesn't make it, that doesn't make enough, goes out to work and doesn't cover it, can't cover. 
the poor person that just walks around collecting for himself, feeling sorry for himself all day long, that's a different story. So also we have to give charity, we have to give him tzedakah as well. But we learned that the person that was wealthy once upon a time, and Rahman al-Islam fell and lost everything, one needs to support him and help him to put him back on his feet, if one can. Not to fulfill their grievances, not to glorify their grievances that they're having with their Kaddish Baruch Rahman al-Islam. We said, who is wealthy one that is happy and satisfied with his lot? The cow always thinks the grass is greener on the other side of the mountain. I don't think any people want to be con- coupled up with that uh, that category. <coughs> They'd like to think they walk on two feet, and they'd like to think they're a little more distinguished and uh, accomplished than a cow. Although the cow does pretty good. For those of you who drink milk, a person cannot take the attitude of HaKadosh Baruch could have done better for me. A person has to understand that what HaKadosh Baruch does for us is all for the good. Easier said than done. Let's be realistic. Be realistic. People that are going through things in life that, to say the least, are a bit much to handle a bit much to carry. And you want to just tell me, shrug it off. Move on. Forge ahead. Being a little bit of a uh, over-optimistic on my cheshman, as we say. You're not going through it, so of course it doesn't hurt you. But that's not how we're supposed to feel. One needs to feel their friends and their loved ones' pains. One needs to feel them and live with them and try to help them along, try to encourage them. We meet setbacks. We meet many setbacks. In Yiddish, the expression is, I don't know why you hate me so much. I never did any favors for you. Ironically, that's the unfortunate way of the world. We don't understand how or why. And probably if we look back in retrospect, we'd wonder to ourselves, we scratch our head and say, how did we do that? How does a human being not have a concept of hakaras hatev, recognition of something that someone did good for them? Difficult. It's a very difficult pill to swallow. 
But yet, it's a Balmadrega. You are one, a person of stature, a person of a level. You have a reached, you achieved quite a level. If you are always recognizing what good people do for you. You're that person mm-hmm. that whenever somebody does something for you, you always have that, you feel indebted to the person forever. That's a special feeling. That's a special person. That's a special type of nature. For many of us, we forget them very quickly. We forget those favors very, very quickly. And so much so that we just brush them under the rug, sweep them under the rug. And sometimes even snub the person, that very person that was so good and kind to you. Human nature. We need to unfortunately work on ourselves very, very hard. We all need to. We all have this ingrained within us and we all need to be able to overcome. We all need to be able to forge ahead, to look back, to think of the good things the person did and live and forget. Again, easier said than done. But that is what Terah requires of us. The way the face of the person looks, that's how the face, the reflection they show in the mirror. We want HaKadosh Baruch to forgive us for everything. And we all have our iniquities. We all have our shortcomings. And we want HaKadosh Baruch to forgive us. And yet, when it comes to somebody else doing, shorting, sliding us in any which way, form or fashion, we just relentlessly cannot forgive them. Today's day and age, I mean the olden days, said this many times, too many times. In the olden days, somebody was talking to you on the phone, you got angry at them, you slammed the phone down. It helped. <laughs> it helped. You let your anger out on the poor phone. Cost a little couple of bucks every so often when you smashed phones. But I never smashed a phone in my life. But just slamming the phone down and just saying, oh, just, and just hang up the phone. Today it's much harder. You got to push a button. Doesn't you can't just hang up without pushing the button, and pushing the button doesn't help. Doesn't do anything. Yeah, you disconnected the person. Yeah, you turn off. Or today you have in the, in the ear and you just touch the ear. Goodbye. I can't hear you. Boom, and that's it. But today also, if you want to tell the person, you want to give the message, you all can. You delete and block their numbers. That's the most vicious thing that you could do to a person. 
delete and block their number. I got you now. I wiped you out of my life. I just erased you. And every so often you think and you say to yourself, should I have? And you look back and say to yourself, of course. It was the best thing I did in my life. But think of what the person actually did to you if the person actually did something so, so horrific to you that they deserve that. But unfortunately, sometimes there's no going back. After doing that to the person, there's no way you can go and face the person again and ask them for forgiveness. As is Maitis for Sechatishmer, one needs to be very careful how they talk. One needs to be very careful they don't say things to people that they cannot take back. Once it goes out of your mouth, it won't come back. And you can tell the person, I didn't mean it, I didn't this, I didn't that. End of the day, you said it. You said it. And it's the way you said it. And you might have had a face to it that showed that this is real. Very real. It was real at the moment, but I don't mean it now anymore. Very difficult for a person to get past that. And for someone to get past it, someone would have to have, have to be a Balmadrega, have to have an unconditional love for that person to be able to accept or reconnect or, or accept the apology, etc. These are the Mishpatim. These are the laws which are being put down in this week's Pasha. There are many. And most of the whole of them have to do Benadum Lechavere, with a person and his friend, person and a neighbor, person and his axe, his axe and his brother, axe and an axe, etc., etc. They're all common sense. Common sense dictates how to behave and how to act between amongst human beings. And yet, the tailor now goes and elaborates on each one of these things. To give charity. To not open a ditch in the middle of the public domain. Without properly protecting it. And all the laws that are mentioned in Pasha Mishpatim, which are technically regular dinim that we understand. Chukim we don't understand. Aidas, we have to find out what the testimony to. Mishpatim are common sense things that were on their own understood. Comes Teda. And Teda gives this a koyach. Teda gives it a strength which is that now that you've done it because Teda said so you have purified and elevated yourself to a, to a level. You have now connected yourself with God. Because you did it because Taylor said so. I, common sense, says I should behave that way. 
now that I'm doing it because of Tera, it's a mitzvah, mitzvah lashen tzavseh v'chibur, connecting to HaKadosh Baruch I've become something. I've done something extra in my spiritual realm. And the parsha, Ve'ila ha-mishpotim ha-shetosam lefneim these are the dictates, the laws that you should put before them. From the word Lifnehem in front of them, we have many different lessons. First of all, any argument between Jews has to be brought before the judges of Israel, of Eden. For Bezden. And not in the courts, in the Goyesh courts. If we keep this score at home, it's going to be in the days. 88, side 2. And Rashi tells us as well. Secondly, learning with students should be in a way to explain to them the depth, the reasons of each and every halacha. Again, if you can score at home, you can eight of them. Nundalar Mbez, 54 side 2, and of course in Hilgastal Mateira, the Alter Rebbe. They should know what is being dictated, and why, and what's the reasoning behind it. And the word Lifneim itself also is Lushan of Pneumius. The Mitzis should be etched into our Neshama. So we understand on our own why Davke Mishpatim, mitzvahs that have, as we said before, common sense, does the Tera emphasize that you can't go to non-Jewish courts? Because a person would think common sense makes sense that the, uh, why shouldn't I go to them? Why shouldn't I go sue somebody in court? Why shouldn't I press charges against somebody in court? But according to the second and third Pirish, we don't understand. Why does it say, Davka b'mishpotim? Davka here does it say l'fnehem. By the other mitzvahs, Edus and the Chukim, you don't have to have laris lay upon him. You don't have to show him the full extent of it. We don't have to show them how the neshama is connected to it. More so, we need to explain every halacha with its reasoning, and what it carries, and what its ramifications are. That it makes more sense when it comes to mitzvahs of edus, testimonial mitzvahs. That's a crooked.
and even more so when it comes to chukim, mitzvahs that we don't understand. Explain to them what their essence is. When it comes to mishpatim, the seichel understands its own. You need less emphasis to teach them what depth it is all about. And the same as well. The third explanation. To be mekayin the mishpatim, to teach the mishpatim, the mitzvah sichrius, the common knowledge mitzvahs, the chayda, we don't need it so much to awaken the primus of the neshama. And these, mishpatim, these mitzvahs are accepted in seichel, in common sense seichel. If the common sense dictates as such, what do I need to have, what do I need to know about how it gets, how it affects my neshama? Those things you got to tell me with Adis and the Chukim, how that comes and how that connects. Where do I get the Mishpatim for this? The sages tell us, the Chazal tell us, Vela Mishpatim, Ve'ele, why is the vov ve'ele? Why didn't it just say ela mishpatim? Meisif alarishenim. It connects with what was said before. Ma rishenim misinai afachrenim misinai. Just like the last parsha we learned was told us that uh, the ten commandments were given to us on hasinai, so to these. And therefore, the Torah emphasizes, just like these ten commandments. Were given for Hakadosh Baruch Hu and Ha'imimah Sinai. Mishpatim, common sense mitzvahs, and common sense behavior between a person and a friend was also given on Har Sinai. It wasn't relied upon that common sense will dictate this, and therefore we cannot go to any non-Jewish courts. Because the mitzvahs, these, even these mitzvahs between a person and another person are all godly things. And they were given from God Himself. And just like a person is not going to take tefillin and Shabbos to court, you can't take anything else to the rest of the Mishpatim either. Which means to say, Tera comes here and engraves on the godly foundation, which is something we don't necessarily have in our common sense, and brings in mitzvah sikhlis. Teaches every Jew that a person needs to be kayan mitzvahs not just because I understand that that's how I have to behave, but because of Kabbalah's ill to do what God Baruch Hu wants me to do. And therefore, Dafka these mitzvahs, Mishpatim, is the emphasis on how the mitzvah has to be done, Lifnehem, with the last two explanations affecting the Neshama directly and within the person himself, how the person has to be engraved with it. 
We have to make mitzvahs kabbalasil. This is what comes in the pnimius and neshama lefneihem, leshem pnimius. And even though that we're talking about common sense mitzvahs, it's prohibitive for a Jew to just rely on their own common sense how to do the mitzvahs. One needs to understand constantly I'm doing this because my neshama is required to do so because this is what God wants for me. There are times where a person needs to be in the mitzvahs, the recognition, understanding. Lifneim, Lashon of Lahare Sleiponim, to show him his face, to be the, to understand where I'm coming from. The want, what Akash Baruch Hu wants, the Ratzan of Akash Baruch Hu is, that a Jew should be in the mitzvahs, these mitzvahs, understanding them also. There's nothing wrong, you understand them. David wants you to do the mitzvah of Kabbalah Sel, accepting the yoke of God and the yoke of heaven because the Kaddish Baruch told her to do it, that's why I'm doing it. But, there's nothing wrong with you understanding yourself also why you're doing this mitzvah. Meshachait. They need to be intertwined with the mitzvah itself, but main focus being that I'm doing the mitzvah because God told me to. And this is what fulfills the ultimate goal that's required from each and every Jew when we complete, when we act in ways of Torah and Mitzvahs. And we take them in the level of Mishpatim. And we take them in a way that it's something that, although common sense dictates as such, I'm doing such because this is what Akash Baruch Hu told me to do. And the Torah goes on to enumerate many, many different mitzvahs. The purchasing of a slave. What happened? The person fell on, fell on hard times and could not pay his debts, could not survive any longer. And the person sells himself as a slave to be mashlam and to, fa- to fill everything in, to fill the blanks, to put a roof over his own head, to put a roof over his wife and children's heads, to give them what to live for. So much that a person can put up with so much that a person can live with. And unfortunately, when the pressures give in, the person has to take drastic measures to be able to fulfill and to fix what they need to fix. Hence, a person does things like selling himself for a slave. But the tale tells us Remember, I've told you, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ki li Yisrael avadim avadahim. You are my slaves. You are my servants. And nobody, else, nobody else's. The fact that you sold yourself for a slave, it's only a temporary thing for six years. And on the seventh year, you need to be 
freed. On the seventh year is Shemitah. On the year of Shemitah, one of us needs to go free. Then, you have the servant that wants to stay. I like it here. I'm happy here. I feel fulfilled here. Tells us the Teda that the person needs to be taken to the doorpost, that needs to have his ear pierced by the doorpost. Across from the mezuzah. And he can stay until Yevil, till the 50th, till the Jubilee. Wow. A little exaggerated. The doorpost, the ear. What's going on over here? Why the piercing of the ear? Mm-hmm. I've mentioned before. the reason people pull their ear when they sneeze person sneezes they pull their ear some pull up, some pull down some pull the right ear, some pull the left ear when someone says the Rebbe and Yechidus I do the right ear, the left ear up, down, the Rebbe says I don't know I never saw which one it is however I do know you don't cross over you don't pull your left ear with your right hand or your your right ear with your left hand What, what that meant and how that works, and I don't, I cannot tell you, I cannot explain to you. But this is what the Rebbe told the person. One sneezes, they pull their ear because they're reminding the person that once upon a time that was how a person passed away. They sneezed and the neshama left. It was only till our forefathers asked for different things. At one point in time, nobody aged. They looked exactly the same. And then there was another era where people sneezed and they passed away, and therefore one one of our others asked for a person to age, one of our others asked for a person to become ill before they pass away. To give them an opportunity to tshuva, an opportunity to understand, to say goodbye to their families, etc., or whatever other hysterical spiritual reasons they had behind it. When you want to remind somebody something, you pull their ear. Hey, hello, Mister, remember me? <laughs> the famous story of Meishala. Meishala grew up in a shtetl. Now, you can't relate to a shtetl. Maybe, maybe, if you come from a place like Kvachabad, or some little shtetl in Israel, maybe, perhaps, you could understand. But even Kvachabad today is much too big for this. The olden days, a shtetl had 20, 30 families. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew everybody's business, everybody knew everybody's children, everybody knew everything. It was one big jolt. One big family. Well, Moishala grew up in the shtetl. 
Rabbi Nu is Meishala. Meishala got a yearning to become educated and saw that the Shtetl never had no doctor. person needed to travel to a doctor, they had to go to who knows where. So Meishala went to university, to college, to school, to medical school, and Meishala became a doctor. He had a good Kepala, so he was a good doctor, he understood his stuff. Where's he going to practice? He says, what did I do this for? I do this in my own shtetl. So he went back to his own shtetl, the old shtetl. Obviously the shtetl didn't have a university or a medical school. He had to go away for that. He was away for several years. When he came back, he's Meshla. Shalom Aleichem Meshla, you're back. Meshla took a house, a building, whatever it was, an office, and set up office for a doctor's office. Put a big sign outside, Moshe, whatever his name is, doctor, PhD, MD. No. You can only imagine people need now a doctor. Come and say, to Moshe, I'll act to Nah. How? Why? When? Where? Practically speaking, he's Moshe. <laughs> a doctor? He's Moshe. He's my Moshe, look at that Moshe, like, push his cheeks, Moshe, so cute. So Moshe did whatever he does, he went to the Rav. Went to the rabbi of the city, Shtetl. He said, Rabbi, I don't know what to do. He says, what's the matter? <coughs> I went off to college, to medical school. I got degrees. And I'm a doctor, a real doctor, and I know my stuff, and I can help everybody, I really could, but everybody looks at me as Meshala, so nobody's ready to come to me as a patient, people are still traveling to the next cities and the Kveshavas, when I can, they can come to me, they can come to me, I would help them. They wouldn't have to travel, and I'd have a panosa. Rabbi smiles. Says Meishla, "I'll tell you what to do. Whenever you walk in the street, you have to walk very, very quickly. You have to constantly look at your watch. You're in a rush. You always have to look like you're in a rush. If somebody calls for an appointment, say, okay, in two weeks we have." Time for an appointment, two weeks. person says, I need to see you then. All right, at the end of the week. Please, I'm feeling very sick. Very, I'll squeeze you in today. And of course, the person comes, it's the waiting room, he has to wait in the waiting room. You're very busy with somebody else. And you'll see things change. And Kachava, Rabbi's a rabbi, a smart man. Meshul was always running the street, always looking at his watch. And people tried to, people that did try to go make an appointment, he said, right, pushed it off, pushed it off, and finally they said, okay. He squeezed them in, and they made them wait in the waiting rooms and everything else. And the practice started to flourish, because people said, oh, is real. Look at that, he's a real doctor. He's got, he's in a rush, he has appointments, he has this, he has... So everybody started to climb into Meshullah and they saw Taka that the practice was viable. One day Meshullah was running in the street 
And the rabbi says to him, Moshe, I have talked to you. And he looks at his watch and says, Zeba, I, I'm in a terrible rush. He grabs his ear and he tells him, Moshe, I know where you're running. <laughs> you're running because I taught you that. But there's nothing to do with where you're going. You're not in such a rush. You can't stop and talk to me. So the pulling of the ear is always a way that they used to remind them. They still remind somebody by pulling the ear and reminding them. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said on HaSinai Anechi Hashem Aleikecha And again we got the commandment Kilib Bnei Yisrael Avadam Avadahim People are servants to me says HaKadosh Baruch Hu Now the fellow goes and he wants to stay as a servant to this person instead comes the person and has to be brought to the doorpost and his ear pierced reminding him whose servant you really are question becomes sounds very practical a little primitive but practical obviously primitive today we don't have this um but the practicality of a question becomes <laughs> my ear heard on Hasinai because everybody was at Hasinai all the Shamas for all the few generations of Hasinai my ear heard that I am a servant to God wonderful but if I look into the Tate and the Medrash tells us that one of the wonders of Matantera was that you heard what you could see and what you saw what you could hear. Your mind's eye can't fathom that. But they saw things that you saw the words coming out. In that case... You saw as well, Kili Bnei Salavadam Avadayhein, why Yidavka the ear? Why not punishing the eye, Rachman al-Islam, Chashon? Elamai, we still hear. We still hear, and the words of, I am your servant, uh, we have to be servants to God, still resonate. We no longer see. We don't have those visions. We shouldn't. <laughs> if you're having them, you're hallucinating. Um, we no longer have those visions. And therefore, that darga, that level of the person that saw on Hasina everything, is no longer in existence. Only the one that heard. So it's only the ear that we pierce and not the, not on the eyes. One of the mitzvahs mentioned this week's parsha. I walk by and I see my friend with his, in those days, transportation was a donkey. And he has a donkey that's laden very, very heavy. And the donkey is collapsing. He's gone down. 
The Torah tells us, Kisire Chamer Sein Echo, your enemy's donkey, not your donkey, not a friend's donkey, an enemy's donkey. Revit Stachas Masoi, and he's being weighed down, Chadal Tamazavle, and you left him to blow, to unload himself. Ozev Tazavimai says the Torah, you must help him. The words of Chadal Tamazavle, you refrain from helping him. is a question. But the actual action is written in the Teda as an action, as a something that you actually did. You left, you deserted him. Kimi scored only what about Metziah Lamed at the bottom of Amar Aleph. tells us there are times that a person can hold back and not have to help. There are times you can be you can refrain. An elderly person, it's not his honor to go and to help unload a truck. Or that the donkey doesn't belong to the Jew, it belongs to a guy. The bundles belong to the Jew. If the donkey pegas, it's not the Jews, not a Jew's donkey. In such scenarios, says the Tata, you might be able to look away. In other words, if the person comes with a carload full of stuff. And it's a rented car. <laughs> you don't really have to help him unload it. <laughs> it's his car, and you worry about his shocks and his tires. You'd have to help him unload. The Bashemtiv takes this pasuk and says, "What is the Torah telling us? How is this spiritually connecting to us?" Practically speaking, it's a possible data. How many times do I see donkeys walking around Brooklyn? Maybe two-legged ones. Chamer has the same letters as Chimer. This is the physical body, the Chumri of the body. The physicalities. And it's Seinecha. It's your enemy because it doesn't want to serve God. And therefore you can see and look at it and say, It's buckling under. Because of the actual difficulties of the body, being a body, a physical body, with different desires, etc., having a hard time doing mitzvahs. What do you do? Did you then refrain from helping him? Maybe you're going to decide, I'm not going to help this body. I'm going to tell my body, you know what? You're having a difficulty being spiritual. You're having a difficulty getting up in the morning going to Shul Davim three times a day. 
you're having difficulty putting on film, you're having difficulty lighting candles, you're having difficulties doing any other mitzvahs, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to punish you. I'm not going to help you. I'm going to punish you. I'm going to give you fast. I'm going to go through different physical tortures. Tells the tater, no, as if tazim imay. Don't torture the body. Help him that he should be healthy and he should be strong and he should be able to overcome all the obstacles and do tater mitzvahs. Now, obviously, it's not the same when one fasts for repentance for something they did wrong. Although the Altarebbe does not hold of that, rather, he gives tzedakah or whatever, but in the days of yesteryear, one would fast, sorry, in repentance for something they, they sinned, they did wrong. Says the Boshemtiv. And this is one with halacha. One may not torture their body. One may not even refrain or hold back food or drink from their body. But the halacha itself, there are times, as we just said, when things are a little bit different of helping. For example, a zakan, an older person, it's not his honor, it's not his respect. And a behemah of a nachri, the animal of a goy. These are spiritual realms as well. And in those cases where the person feels that they're outdone their day and they need to, and we'll find and we'll discuss it. Zakin. And it's not his honor. Who's a Zakin? Kimiskor only mother tells us Kiddushin Lama Bezim and Bez. Zakin is a Shekana Chachma. person that has acquired Chachma. And a Jew that's on a higher spiritual level. And it's not it's unbecoming of him. It's unbecoming of him to be so physical and so mundane. He can therefore deprive the body of all the or most of or some of the physical amenities and the physical pleasures of life. The other situation the behemoth belongs to a guy. If the body of the Jew has hit rock bottom and it looks like a guy already and it sinned so badly that it lost the spirituality of Judaism that was given to him And he sins in the lowest of lows. He can then punish his body 
with tainus and sigufin to fix and rectify his sins. Mm-hmm. However, even in these cases, there's ways of doing it as well. And the Al-Tarebbe writes in the Gerasat that in our generations, people are weaker, they should not fast that much, but for tshuva, they should, as we said before, redeem it with tzedakah, if they can. The weakening of the generations is not necessarily choice of the person. And therefore, it's a way that they prove what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. The way to serve in our days is through Simcha and Tuv Levav. Through a healthy body, a strong body, not through fasting and breaking. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us the Kayach to fix everything that needs to be fixed. Sins as well. And love Davka through pain, through torture. But rather through Simcha, through joy, through full, complete happiness. In a way that the person fulfills their spirituality and reaches their spiritual realm. And this way they come with a goof body of a shalim, a healthy body, and a complete body and to which they serve Hashem. To which HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to us, they should, we should not, we're never allowed to serve, God forbid, idol worship, but only Hashem. And with this HaKadosh Baruch Hu blesses us with Shefa, Gashmi, and taking away all illnesses of Artem Hashem Lekechem. If you serve a God, your God, I will bless your water, your, your bread, your water, and I will take away all illnesses. This is therefore a goal that we need to look to aspire to achieve. And the reward, therefore, of doing the Ratzon of Hashem is not only to the person, but to the land, to Eretz Yisrael. The intention of these words are not just to limit this promise, to say that only in Eretz Yisrael, and not in Chutzlar, it's not out of Eretz Yisrael, it's the essence. This guarantee will go not only on the people of Israel, but any of any Jew that acts and behaves this way, the physical realm, and through doing the, what Akash Baruch Hu wants, our uh, the yearnings of Akash Baruch Hu, and we change the nature of the world itself. So that everything becomes a maskela, a kara, all become into something that a positive level. And just like every land has its own missions, and a Jew does the Ratzna of the Ebishta, should be ingrained, entrenched in the land. There's no metzius of anybody that's chas going to be one that turns and deters, or one that is barren. 
And with this <coughs> revealed special mindless of Eretz Yisrael, the land which Bachar Akash Baruch and this is a preparation for the Yerusha Sa'aretz Ashlema, the inheritance of the full land, until we come to the Nevuah, Ki Yarchev Hashem is Gevulcha, Alikech is Gevulcha, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu will broaden your land, your borders, and the Geula Amitiz HaShlema Yidei Mashiach, Tzidkenu Behele V'yameinu Amen, and may we merit to see that this very, very moment, not have to wait another day, not have to wait another hour, and that there should be peace in Eretz Yisrael, but in a peaceful way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will show that Am Yisrael, not only Am Yisrael Chai, but Am Yisrael Chai as Yidin, with Teda and Mitzvahs, and will be zeichet to base Hamikdash Ashlishi being rebuilt in Arzeno Akdesha today. Shabbat Shalom to all.